0: You're listening to the Tiny Course Empire podcast with Cindy Bidar. This is episode number three. And today, I want to talk tech, specifically how to choose the right tools for your Tiny Course Empire. Welcome to the Tiny Course Empire podcast, a weekly show dedicated to helping you launch and grow your digital course business, even if you don't have a big team or a six-figure ads budget. We'll help you design smart systems, take consistent action, and achieve massive success on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Cindy Bedar. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tiny Course Empire podcast. I am so excited that you are here today because we are talking about one of my very favorite subjects, and that is online marketing technology. Truthfully, this is the one thing that keeps a lot of my clients stuck, and that is what tools should they use? Now, not I'm not even talking about how to use the tools, although that can keep people stuck as well, but the question that I most asked is literally what tools do I recommend? I even have a whole page on my website all about the tools that I use and recommend in my own business. Back when I started out online, We had very, very limited choices. We had like three options for list building. If you wanted to build an email list, you could go with AWeber, you could go with MailChimp, or you could use Constant Contact. Those were pretty much the only choices for tiny businesses like you and I run. If you wanted to build a membership site, Wishlist Member was brand spanking new and they were the only provider in that space. If you didn't want to go with them, you had the option to build it yourself, code it yourself. The same thing was true with websites. WordPress was the website builder that was available to us. And other than that, you could hand code it with HTML using Dreamweaver or plain text files if you wanted. But WordPress was the only one that made it easy. Now though, as technology advances, we have dozens of choices for everything. I can think of eight or 10 email list providers without even having to Google it. And the same is true for website builders, page builders, shopping carts, membership sites, payment processors, and all the other tools that you use in your business every single day. On the one hand, all those choices is really good right that's what encourages innovation and that's what gets the pricing down but on the other hand it also makes it a lot harder for you and I to choose the right tool for our needs if you've ever looked at a long list of options and just gotten more and more confused you know exactly what I'm talking about instead of making it easier to build an online business in a lot of ways All of those options that we have today makes it even harder. So in today's episode, I'm gonna walk you through a seven step process for choosing any software, whether you're just starting out and you need everything, or you've been up and running for a while and now you're ready to upgrade. Let's go ahead and dive in with the steps and then I'll run through a real life example so you can see how this can work in your business. So step one is to know your own personality and your own technical comfort level. There's this myth about running an online business that says it's supposed to be easy, that everything is just a mouse click away. And it's true that things have gotten easier over the past few years. When I first came online, like I said, WordPress was still pretty new, and the only shopping cart options you had were one shopping cart with Authorize.net on the back end, and those were both a huge pain in the neck to deal with. In a lot of ways, the tech has gotten so much easier, but in some ways, it's far more complex than it ever was, simply because we have a lot more choices and a whole lot more options today but we still haven't achieved that push button easy level that everybody seems to dream about. There are options though, so many options. You just have to know your own comfort level before you make your decisions about what software and systems you're going to use. Shopping carts are a really good example of this. I use A-member as my shopping cart right now because it has an amazing feature set that does everything I need it to do. It takes both PayPal and credit cards, it manages my affiliate program, it processes recurring subscriptions, it integrates with WordPress to control access to member members-only content, I can send email right from a member to my affiliates and to my members, and it integrates with my mailing list provider, which is ActiveCampaign for marketing emails. It has a whole lot more features that I don't use as well, but those are the big ones for me. But here's the thing. Every feature you add creates additional complexity, and the more complexity you add means it's more difficult to manage. So if you compare A-member and all of its complexity to something like SamCart, which is a fantastic system, just not as full-featured as A-member is, But SamCart is a lot simpler to set up and manage. There are a lot fewer options to configure and a lot fewer things that can go wrong. There are levels of complexity even among similar systems, though, so you have to make sure you do your homework. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a friend of mine about website hosting. When we very nearly lost our websites in a massive server outage recently, My husband and I made the decision to change hosting companies. My friend was looking for a new host as well, so we were comparing notes. Now Rick, that's my husband, Rick and I had decided to move to Liquid Web, which is a host that I had a lot of experience with from my virtual assistant days. What surprised me though, is that even though I was moving from one virtual private server, that's a VPS for those in the know, I was moving from one VPS to another VPS on the same platform. That means I was moving from Linux hosting with cPanel to Linux hosting with cPanel. And don't worry if you don't know what any of that means, it's really not that important. The point is I was moving from one hosting company to another that should have been nearly identical but it wasn't. It turns out that my old host had many of the features of cPanel turned off. As the website owner, I couldn't see them or access them, and here's why. They know their customers and their target market is not technically inclined. You give them too many settings to fiddle with and they'll either end up confused and overwhelmed or they'll break something. So my former hosting company simply turned them off to simplify the interface, and that worked well for their customers, for their market. But contrast that with LiquidWeb, whose market is different, and where I now have to make all of these decisions about things like DNS zones and PHP versions and default time settings and just a host of other things I didn't have to deal with before, and it's all much more complicated. I have to tell you, it has stretched even this techie girl's brain at times. Now, you know yourself best. Are you willing to dig in and get your hands dirty and figure things out? Are you comfortable talking to tech support three times a day for a week while you do? Because that's what we had to do while we were getting settled into Liquid Web. Are you confident in your ability to stick with it until you get everything working the way you want it to? Those are the questions you need to answer as you're making your tech stack choices because each software choice will come in a variety of options and you get to choose how simple or complex your setup is going to be. Just remember that the more full featured and flexible you want it to be, the more complex it becomes. There's a trade-off. Super simple and mistake-proof does exist, but it comes at a cost, and that cost is usually a lack of features. While we're talking about features and complexity, this is probably a good point to talk about two different varieties of software, and that's hosted versus self-hosted, because that's a choice you're going to have to make as well. First, a little definition so you know what I'm even talking about. Let's use the software that runs your online business as an example. It has to live somewhere. It's installed on a server, which is just a fancy name for a big computer. You probably pay to rent space on a server where your website lives, at least if you're using WordPress you do that's what we call self-hosted you personally rent space on a server like i rent space on liquid web and you personally installed wordpress or maybe you had somebody else do it for you and you personally are responsible for keeping it updated and running that means you are self-hosting your website i am self-hosting my shopping cart I bought a license for a member and I installed it on the server that I pay for and I am responsible for maintaining it and updating it and making sure it's running. Hosted software, on the other hand, lives on someone else's server and you just pay for usage rights. SamCart is an example of a hosted shopping cart. You don't have to install it or maintain it. You just have to pay a monthly fee to access it. The team that runs SAMCART is responsible for keeping the software updated and running, and you're responsible only for adding your products to it. It's like the difference between buying a house and renting an apartment. When you own a home, anything that goes wrong or needs fixing is all on you. Broken water pipe? You fix it. Grass needs to be cut? You cut it. Need a new roof? That's on you as well. When you rent an apartment, on the other hand, you're only responsible for your things that you keep inside. You're not responsible for fixing broken water pipes or replacing the roof or cutting the grass. All you have to do is vacuum and keep the dishes from piling up in the sink. That's the end of your responsibilities. In a lot of ways, it's easier to rent an apartment than it is to own a home. But owning a home gives you greater flexibility. Living in an apartment means you probably can't paint the color you want or replace the kitchen counter with something nicer or grow a vegetable garden in the backyard. So it's a trade-off. Your choices are reduced when you live in an apartment, but so is your level of responsibility. The same is true when choosing hosted versus self-hosted software to run your business. Hosted options offer a lot less responsibility, but they come with a lot less flexibility as well you get to choose which one is more important to you. So step one is to get super clear on how comfortable you are with technology and whether you'd rather have more flexibility or less responsibility for the ongoing maintenance of your software and tools. Keep that in mind as we talk about the rest of the steps because how you think about that is going to play a part in the rest of the decisions you need to make. Let's take a look at step two. Step two is to get crystal clear on the primary purpose of this tool. In other words, what are you going to use it for? Now, I know that seems like a silly question, right? I mean, you're looking for a new email platform or a new membership plugin or a new page builder, so it's obvious what you're going to use it for, right? Except there's this trend lately for software companies to add on lots and lots of bells and whistles outside of their primary purpose. And all of those added features can really muddy the waters and cause your decision making to stall out in confusion. Do not get distracted by things you don't need or won't use. It doesn't matter if ConvertKit has a page builder if you're already using Thrive Architect and you have no interest in moving your pages. If you're not planning to use ConvertKit's page builder, you can safely ignore everything they have to say about it. It doesn't affect your choice of email marketing platforms. Likewise, it doesn't matter if ClickFunnels has a shopping cart feature if you're already invested in and happy with SamCart or A-member or SendOwl or some other platform. You're not going to use the ClickFunnels cart, so no matter how amazing they make it sound, you can't let that aspect of this page building tool figure into your decision making. Unless you're specifically looking for an all-in-one or multi-purpose tool, ignore everything else this software can do and focus just on its primary purpose for your business. Along with that, you also have to consider that regardless of whether or not you're going to use those features, you are going to pay for them. All of the features are wrapped up in one pricing strategy, so even though you might use ClickFunnels just for page building, their price is higher because they've bolted on all of these extra features that you may never need or use. When you're making your tech stack decisions, it can actually be a waste of money to pay for a tool that does things you don't need or use just because you're paying more than you might otherwise pay for a streamlined option. So just be aware of that as you're out there shopping. Step three then is to create a list of deal breakers and must haves. I recommend you make a spreadsheet for keeping track and I'll link to one in the show notes that I've used in the past so you can see just how simple this can be. Deal breakers and must-haves are anything that you feel is either a hell no or that you literally cannot do business without. For example, maybe you've determined that you definitely don't want the hassle of piecing together an a la carte tech stack right now. That's a deal breaker for you, so you can immediately eliminate any option that's not an all-in-one solution. Once you've done that, your choices will get a lot narrower and it becomes a lot easier to make that final decision. So think about what those deal breakers are for you. Do you have a budget deal breaker? This is a big one for a lot of people, so make sure you know what amount you're willing or able to spend before you go looking for a solution. What about a difficulty deal breaker? If you know you don't want to worry about anything super technical, then your deal breaker might be a complicated installation or configuration process. You probably also have some must have features on your list. When I was looking for membership site software, I knew it had to integrate with my existing shopping cart. This was a must have for me and it eliminated a lot of options and narrowed my choices down to just three or four serious contenders. Another must-have might be the look of the software, especially if it's a customer-facing tool. Can you design it in a way that's in keeping with your brand and that you find visually appealing? As you're looking around at your options, start to think about those must-haves and the deal breakers and make a list. Getting really clear on this is going to dramatically narrow your options, and that's a good thing. Once you've done that, it's a whole lot easier to make that final choice. Step four is to look for tools that will grow with you. Buy as much as you can afford right now, which is probably more than you really need. It's a pain in the neck to have to move platforms, whether it's moving shopping carts or membership sites or payment processors or website builders. It's not impossible, but it's painful for sure, and it will cost you money. It will cost you in lost time, it will cost you to hire someone to do it for you, it will cost you in retraining your team. It's just a huge investment to move from one software to another and it's not something to be taken lightly. That's why it makes sense to buy more than you need right now, but you have to be realistic about it too. Don't invest in something like Infusionsoft or Kajabi just because you have the money. If you can't easily see how you'll use all of those features, or at least most of them in the near future, and if you don't have a clear plan to grow your business to the point where you'll need them, then it's probably too big of a step right now. The next step, step five, is to be really mindful of being trapped in a solution that's no longer working for you. This one is kind of the opposite of step four, and it's a little trickier to spot, so you might have to ask around among your friends and business colleagues. But what I'm referring to here is what can happen when you outgrow a platform but can't leave because your business is too deeply enmeshed in it. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I have a friend who's using a big pricey tool to run her membership. She's used this platform for years and it has served her really, really well. And she was very happy with it for the first few years. But now it's starting to kind of fall apart. Their customer support isn't what it used to be. And now there are other options that are just as good and significantly less expensive than the one she's using. So she's looking to move. Now, moving is not a small undertaking. We've already talked about that and why you would probably want to buy more than you need just to avoid having to move every year or so. But my friend is aware of that and she has the resources to invest to get the membership moved to a different platform. Here's the problem. Her recurring payments are all running through this platform that she wants to leave That means even if she does move, she's still going to have to continue to pay for the old platform. Otherwise, all of her recurring payments will stop coming in. She's truly stuck. Either she has to start from scratch, building up her membership on a new platform, or she has to pay for something she's not using just to keep the payments coming in, or she has to stay where she's at and just put up with a platform that's no longer serving her. This is one of the big dangers I warn people about when they consider using a proprietary website builder instead of WordPress. Years ago, I had a client who built his site on a fully hosted platform and his monthly website bill continued to grow up, go up as his site grew. He was paying something like $125 a month just to keep his site on that platform. So he contacted me to ask about recreating the site on WordPress instead, which is a lot less expensive when you consider that the software itself is free and all you have to pay for is your hosting. Moving to WordPress on a really good host probably would have saved him about $100 a month at the time. But there's a problem. There's no export feature from most proprietary platforms. You can't easily move out. And if you think about it, that makes sense. It's not in their best interest to let you move. Moving from one platform to another is often a long and tedious copy and paste project where you have to manually move every single post and page from one software to another. So my client was looking at a very conservative estimate of around $5,000 to have his site moved to to WordPress. Getting stuck like this is much more common in -in all-in-one software or proprietary software than it is in some other tools, but it's still something that you have to be mindful about. Ask questions, find out how payments are processed and whether or not you can export your data and your content if you need to do that down the road. Step six is to research the user base and community. Sooner or later, you're going to run into a problem with whatever software you're using. Maybe a setting that used to work now gets broken in an update, or maybe you want to improve the process in a way that's not built into the software already, and you have to create a workaround. That's when a large user base is really going to come in handy for you. As I'm recording this, I'm working on a year-long autoresponder sequence in my Active Campaign account. The idea is to let the autoresponder handle the daily emails to my subscribers so I don't have to think about writing emails every day. Then I can just pause that sequence for one week each month when I'm launching a new course. The problem is, I couldn't work out logistically how to make that happen. If I deactivated the sequence, then no new people could be added to it during that week, so that wasn't efficient. I played with some different ideas, but they were all really more complex than I wanted them to be, and there was too much room for error. So I turned to the active campaign Facebook group for help, and within a day, someone suggested a solution that I think is going to work well. If I was using a lesser-known email platform without that user base, I would have been on my own to figure this all out. But it's not just about getting suggestions from the community either. It's about getting help when things go really wrong. The bigger the user base, the larger the community, the more likely you are to find someone who can solve even the biggest problems you might encounter. For example, there are probably millions of people who work with WordPress. If you have a broken WordPress site and you can't fix it on your own and you're ready to just hire somebody to take care of it, you can find and hire an expert in minutes with a single Google search. That's how extensive the WordPress community is. If your site is built with ghost or some other lesser known platform and you run into trouble, you might have a hard time hiring a developer to get you out of a pickle. Now, if you go back to step one, which is about knowing your own technical comfort level, then you might think you have a little wiggle room here. And in some cases, you're probably right. My husband, for example, has a pretty high tolerance for troubleshooting, so he's much more willing to take a chance on something new, say something he finds on AppSumo or some little used plugin that looks promising. But not everyone loves to do that kind of thing or has the patience for it. If you don't wanna spend your time figuring out how things work, then you're going to be much happier if you go with a proven solution that has an existing user base and community. Finally, step seven is to take it for a test drive. Try them out. Take your short list of options and spend some time trying each one of them. Do you like the user interface? Is it easy and intuitive to use? What's the customer experience like? How easy is it to get support? Most software gives you a few days free, usually 7 or 14 or sometimes even 30. Take advantage of that and really dig in and see what it would be like to use that tool on a day-to-day basis. If you can't get a free trial, you can ask your friends for a behind-the-scenes tour. I've done that with the Six Figure Systems membership site on several occasions when friends have asked me what I use to build it and did I like working with it. I've created short video walkthroughs for them to show them how it works, or in some cases we've jumped on a Zoom call and I've given them a live tour. You can also look at YouTube videos that show how the software works. In a lot of cases, the developer will even have tutorial videos you can watch to get a feel for how it would be to work with them. So how does all this work in real life? Let's walk through an example so you can see the decision-making process in action. Let's say, for example, that you're in the market for an email marketing platform. You know you need an email list, but maybe you're just not sure which direction you want to go with all the options out there. Should you go with MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or should you use a plugin for your website or maybe go all in on a big platform like Infusionsoft or Entreport? We'll start with step one. Which is to know your own personality and technical comfort level. Now, most email platforms targeted to small business owners like us are pretty user friendly. You might have to use, you know, you might have to learn where things are in the interface, but you're unlikely to have to do any really heavy lifting if you stick with the known providers like Active Campaign, Aweber, or ConvertKit. Non-techie people are going to want to shy away from plugins and things that you have to piece together. If you don't know what an SMTP server is, don't choose a tool that requires you to have one. That's going to eliminate some of the DIY options and leave you with all of the big players like we already talked about. So that's our short list as we move into step two. We're sticking with the big players. Then step two is to get clear on the primary purpose of the tool. Email. Email is the purpose we're looking for. That's what we need. We need an email list builder. So I'm not looking at the page building capabilities or the checkout forms or any other bells and whistles that might be available. Does it send email reliably? That's the only question I have at this point, And I can move on to step three. Step three is to create a list of deal breakers and must haves. So for this step, I'm gonna look at what tools do I already use that my email list provider needs to work with. I'm gonna think about things like my shopping cart or my form builder or my scheduling and booking application. I'm gonna take a hard look at my budget. It seems odd to have to call that out, but you really might be surprised at how easy it is to overlook price in light of a bunch of features that seem appealing, Unless you can afford the cost of the tool, though, those features are unlikely to do anything but cause you added stress. So take a good look at your budget. Then I'm going to look at the features that I am unwilling to live without. These are my must haves. In the case of an email provider, I would insist on on having tagging built in and I would want to have an easy and intuitive email email builder, the actual interface where I'm writing the email. I want that to be easy to use and I want it to create nice looking emails. Those are my two must-have features. Then with your deal breakers and your must-haves written down, we can move on to step four, which is to look for tools that will grow with you what's going to happen when your list size grows? With some providers, they will make big promises of free accounts, but as your list grows, you might find that they become extra expensive. So you want to pay attention to that. Will you be stuck with a much bigger bill, or will you lose the ability to send as many emails as you need to send because you cap out on the number of emails allowed every in in the month. Picture your business in a year or in three years or in five. Are you still going to be able to use that platform as well as you can use it today? And what about if you want to do, in the case of email, you want to do some fancy segmenting and automations down the road? Maybe my needs right now are super simple, but I want the option to create more complex systems as my business grows. Will my email provider handle that or will I have to move to get more advanced features? Step five, then, is to be mindful of trapping, being trapped in a solution that's not working for me anymore. Again, this is the opposite of step four, where I want to be to make sure that I can grow. In step five, I want to make sure I'm not trapped. I want to make sure that I can get my data out of my email provider in a form that's useful. Can I export my my subscribers? Can I export with them, them with all of their information intact, all of their tagging, all of the products they've purchased, all of the automations that they've been through? In other words, how easy is it to move? I want to be able to move quickly when I realize that I've outgrown my choice. Then step six is to look for that user base and community. I'm gonna look for Facebook groups, YouTube channels, even paid or free courses about the platform. If I see them, then I know there's a really good chance it's gonna be easy for me to find help if I need it. Not only that, but with that broad user base, the tool itself is more likely to continue to be developed and supported. Now, that's probably not an issue with the big email providers. I don't think AWeber ActiveCampaign is going out of business anytime soon, but it can be a problem if you're taking a chance on a startup. So you want to make sure that that user base exists to keep supporting that software. And then finally, I'm going to take that short list and I'm going to take it for a test drive. So by this point, I've got my list of candidates narrowed down to maybe two or three top providers that I really wanna take a a deeper look at, and I'm gonna go and sign up for free trials on each one to see which one I like the best. I'm gonna spend some time with it. I'm gonna poke around in it. I'm gonna click all of the buttons. I'm gonna read through all of the menus. I'm going to do all of the things. I'm going to make sure that it's easy for me to send an email, that it's easy for me to set up an autoresponder. I'm going to make sure that I can connect it to my page builder, to my form builder, whatever tools I'm using. I'm going to contact their support and make sure they're responsive to me and that I get an answer quickly, and I'm going to become a part of that community. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to make sure that it's not, you know, a Facebook group with 25,000 people and no content in it or no no engagement. Now listen. I know that choosing software that runs your business can be super confusing. Every day, some new shiny thing comes along that promises to solve all of your problems and be one click easy too. But here's what I want you to know. If you take the time to do a bit of research and thinking about what you really need, it will be a whole lot easier to make the right choice and feel good about it. All you have to do is follow the seven steps. You got this that's it for this episode. You'll find the show notes and recommended resources for this and all of our episodes at tinycourseempire.com. I want to wish you a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you all next week. If you like what you hear on the Tiny Course Empire podcast, you're going to love all of the courses you'll find inside my Six Figure Systems membership. That's my monthly membership where we dig into online marketing for regular people like you and me. We don't do big launches or have the big headaches and the big expenses that come with them. Instead, we focus on creating repeatable, sustainable systems that continue to grow over time and that don't suck up all of our energy or require a 10-person team to manage. You can come see what we're all about at SixFigureSystems.com and I'll see you on the inside.